electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Right now on Fast, a strong end to a strong week. Markets closing out a rare up week with the Nasdaq and S&P each rising more than 3% today. Big gains in discretionary health care and real estate this week. What charts caught our traders' eyes? Plus, chip stocks staging a rebound, too. Still, even with this week's gains, they are on pace for their worst quarter since the financial crisis. Is there more pain to come, or is it time to jump in? And later, just do it. Shares of Nike swooshing higher as we head into earnings on Monday. Why the traders are watching this name? I'm Melissa Lee. This is Fast Money Live from the Nasdaq Market Site. On the desk tonight, Tim Seymour, Steve Grasso, Guy Dami, and Pete Nigerian, co-founder of MarketRebellion.com. And we start off with that big winning week for the markets. The major indices locking in their first positive week of June in a big way. Everyone up 5% or more. The Nasdaq posting its best week since March. The S&P seeing its best day since May 2020. The big drive higher coming as we gear up for the final week of the first half of this year. But all these moves got us thinking. Hmm. What the chart that? tells us the true story. <laughs> what is going on in these markets? So we asked the traders what their most important chart of the week is. Tim? We start off with you. Well, I'll tell you what, a picture does tell a thousand words, and I'm not sure if we were able to get the University of Michigan chart. And if not, um, the, the two charts that caught my eye, first of all, if you think about what was going on with sentiment this week, uh, we had a, a dynamic. We got the AAII bull bear survey. Uh, and what this bar chart shows is we had numbers that came out. Uh, really, it's the week ending June 22, which are the fourth worst print since 1990. So from the market's perspective, Mel, it's a dynamic where um, sentiment has been so bad that on some level we were due for a bounce and we're going into quarter end and I think there's some dynamics here that are, are certainly very uh, uh, a bit of a relief but being oversold in terms of sentiment again I'm going back to March of 09 was really that worst print mm-hmm. we've only had three other prints as poor as this one one was back in April but I, I you know that's the chart of the week which is that uh, we've digested so much how much have we priced in here we've talked about whether we've priced in recession I don't know that we've actually priced in uh, anything from a consumer credit hit which might come after recession but for now um, and again, for the positioning of the market going into quarter end, going into next week, or for oversold conditions, this chart tells me that the market has some room to run. So basically, Pete, so bad it's good, a contrarian indicator. You, you buy into that? I mean, do you think – it's interesting because the Overtime, which is the show that precedes Fast Money, had a poll of their viewers. So do you think the bottom is in for the markets? Seventy-something percent said no, N-O. Yeah, well, I, I, I suppose a lot of that has to do, Mel, with what is the opinion right now of a lot of folks in terms of all of this pullback that we've had over the last, call it six, eight, ten trading days, where you look at the price, for instance, of crude, 117, here we are, back at 107. You look at Nat Gas, it was six and a half, it's pulled back a little bit. Across the board, we've seen, or seven and a half, back down towards six. A lot of pullback in a lot of different areas that we've been talking about for a long time, talking about inflation and all of that, of course. So, I think that there's a lot to be said for it. I don't know that we've necessarily gotten through the end of it, though. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a bear, as you know. Generally, I'm very bullish. But 
I've been a very cautious bull of late, and I think that we've had some really nice moves to the upside. I think Tim points out something very nice in terms of what to look for, and I think there are other things to look for as well in this market to try to determine whether or not this market's going a little bit higher or are we going to see a big pullback. Yeah. Guy, why are you watching HYG? Well, it's always been credit for me, Mel. That's the one thing that I've watched, and we were talking about it in the fall. The HYG doesn't necessarily trade, but when it does, it's usually the precursor of something. If you look over the last couple of months, had a pretty precipitous drop down to 72 and change. Back in May, we had a bounce up to 80. We seem to have found a bottom, I think, on June 16th, and that's bouncing here. So as people start to get a little less concerned about credit, I think the market's going to continue to have legs here. Now, I don't think it's over either, but I'll go back quickly to June 15th which was that Fed day. And I know on that show that night, you know, we talked about the potential for a 9 or 10% rally. The next day, obviously, the market sold off pretty much on the back of that Swiss National Bank headline. They raised rates 50 basis points. But I still think 4,100 is in the cards in the quarter end, holiday shortened 4th of July week. And I think the market will continue to do the grind into Apple earnings at the end of July. So basically, so far, the two charts that we have seen from these traders are, are proof or evidence that perhaps we could be in for at least a temporary bounce, Steve. Do you agree with that thesis? I'm going I'm to agree with that thesis, and mine is on gasoline. So gasoline peaked uh, June 6th. It's in 10% from that date. So Pete talked about it. Tim talked about it. A guy touched on it a little bit. WTI crude peaked 6.8. Wheat, May 17th. Lumber continues to collapse. This means to me two things. The economy is not doing so great. There's a slowdown. But does the Fed get some room mm -hmm. to not be as hawkish? Does he get some room to maybe give a, get his foot off the brake? I don't think that's going to happen necessarily, but I do think CPI will come in a little light in July. Yeah. I, I think that's a great call. I think part of the momentum that we had earlier in the week to give us part of this thrust, we were, we were getting lower commodity reads. We were getting a move lower in copper. We were getting this. I mean, energy was destroyed this week. Uh, and again, if you look at that University of Michigan, we, we got the second reading. And, and the five to 10 year inflation expectations actually came down from the first reading. And there's rumors that Powell's really looking at this number and that this is something that got him excited. Pete, what's your chart? Well, the chart I like is the 10-year. I've been working on that for a while now, Mel, over the last couple of weeks for sure. When you look at where it is, and it was at 3%, it got above 3%, all of a sudden you see a lot of selling going on. And we got all the way up to 3.5%. The sellers were absolutely very aggressive within the markets. But then that's quick unbelievable reversal off that three and a half level all the way back down towards three. I think that was very critical. And by seeing that, you could see suddenly the buyers were all coming back and they, they came back in a hurry. And as a matter of fact, all you got to do is look at the Dow. You see it up 1,600 points. You see the NASDAQ up 1,000 points, all in a very, very short span. So I think keeping an eye on the 10-year and the two-year, quite honestly, but the 10-year and the two-year, I think those will give you a good directive of the direction of the markets themselves over the next couple of days. Guy, I'll go to you on this because, you know, I was I was kind of surprised myself um, that the markets rallied this hard and we didn't see yields move as much. I was surprised how stable they were. Yeah, for a change, at least for the couple of days, we seem to have found some levels that the market's comfortable with. But, you know, I'll say again, I'm with Pete on this one. There's no question that 10 year yields moving 45 basis points over the course of four or five trading days definitely I guess assuage some of the concerns, especially for some of the high evaluation tech names that seemingly like lower yields. But that's going to be a problem again. I just don't think it's going to be a problem over the next couple of weeks. I think we're sort of in this eye of the storm now 
where the market can sort of figure things out, do the grind higher that frustrates a lot of people. And we've seen it before. So I would submit uh, 4,100, maybe an overshoot to 4,200 before the next leg lower at the end of July. I'm glad Guy didn't refer to the eye of the tiger and say he thought the market, I thought he was going there. But, but if you think about mega cap tech uh, and what really would lead the market in terms of weightings and what, you know, what, what are the heaviest components of, of the indices, this is also an environment that actually is very, very strong for them. Part of the read this week was recessionary dynamics. We, the ISM, the manufacturing numbers, uh, the EU PMIs, it, it was all saying we're getting closer and closer to at least a lower growth environment. With lower yields, this is the environment where mega cap tech has worked so many times. And that's why uh, I'm not ready to say uh, my 125 call on the Apple or it's not even about that. I want to see that demand warning from Apple before I feel like it's time to really get back in the pool here. But this is an environment this week, great, great backdrop. money came out of energy, money went into tech, and I think that was mm-hmm. the biggest takeaway for me is that you start to see energy, which has been the only thing that's been performing well or positive for the year. But if you start to see in July where that CPI comes in, the, uh, the market runs up to guys number 41, 42. Then what happens? Earnings. Margins are going to be in question. Maybe right back down again to the levels that we all talked about, because that'll suck everyone right back in. Energy will implode. Tech will rally. And then margins will be squeezed on earnings. Hmm. Uh, Pete, do you think that the rally that we saw in tech this week, is it a survivor? If yields go higher. Nice job, by the way. This is the only music trivia I could possibly offer. (laughs) Bring it in, survivor. Don't ask me why. Yeah, well, you know, Mel, I think Tim's Tim's right about just keeping an eye on technology specifically because it is it does seem to trade very much a very interesting relationship with this with what we are seeing going on obviously with the tenure. And so, you know, will it be able to break through and continue this move to the upside that we're starting to see? We're really just starting to see that. It's not like we've had an unbelievable move to the upside. Although I will say today, we had six sectors by the end of the day that actually closed up more than three and a half percent. So it gives you a little bit of an idea of how broad this was as well. So it wasn't just technology. It wasn't just energy. It wasn't just financials or materials. It was a broad participation to the upside today. And I think that was really something that stuck out for me for sure in terms of closing out the week after seeing what's been going on all week long. Really, really impressive week, I think. All right. Well, stocks may be up this week, but the broad commodity complex has been under some pressure recently. The chartmaster actually sounded the alarm on the space almost two weeks ago. He's standing by with an update on that call. Carter Worth of Worth Charting joins us here on set at the Telestrator. Hey, Carter. How are you? Let's jump right in. Uh, what we know is that essentially sometimes a security, an index, a particular stock will discount a great deal, if not all, of what is coming. And essentially you see that here. Basically, this is the war. So this is an ETF that captures a broad basket of commodities. And in very quick order, essentially, we know that wheat almost doubled, nickel almost doubled, oil went up 40 percent, and we've never really able to exceed that high. So let's get rid of all of these lines. And what you can clearly see here is that we have started to break trend. So we have a double top, and we've also broken trend. So let's actually put those lines in officially. If you see the next chart here, what we've got is exactly that, right? So the, the pricing, the blow off, we can never make the new high. And now we're starting to break down. Another way to draw the lines would be like this. And it's a failed ascending triangle. Not good. And you drew in so much euphoria, it's going to break out, break out. In fact, it not only did it not break out, 
it did the exact opposite thing. So the question, is there more downside? Um, hard to figure out, but I think this next chart might help. And so it's the final chart I've got here. This is our minor formation, right? This is where we've broken trend. This is our double top. But if you take all that away and just ask the question, are we going to head towards the lower band? We have been almost beautifully, perfectly inside this a 45 degree channel, like a pinball machine, when you blow out through the top, you quite often get an equal and opposite reaction, which means in principle, not only should we get to the midpoint, but prospectively to the lower band or even through it. Uh, I would not be in this ETF and I would be underweight commodities relative to equities. Um, what is that? What is that line? What level is that line, Carter? I mean, what, what does that represent in terms of percentage oh, an, pullback? Yeah, another, it would be another six to eight percent from here. Okay, 6 to 8%. Carter, thanks. We'll see you in a bit on Options Action. Um, Guy, you with Carter on this? Does that mean what the Fed is doing is working? Well, I'm not going to give them any credit for anything, so no. I but I will say, I mean, Carter's been, Carter, Carter's been spot on. I mean, he's been, he really called it well. I don't think, I'll say this. I understand what people are looking at. If you think growth is slowing, by definition almost, these commodities will start to sell off. I don't think the energy move is over by any stretch. I think it's taking a pause. And if you want proof positive, not that it's that timely, but Warren Buffett continues to sort of pile into some of these names, which I think is sort of interesting. So although it's obviously um, taken a backseat over the last couple of weeks, I just think there are a couple chapters left in this story. This does fit with the narrative that for the short term we'll be in for a bounce, that technology could move higher, that we continue to see the pressure on the commodity complex. I mean, it all sort of fits into the same and it thinking. Fit, does, does my $65, Mr. R. $65 Mr. Dollar, dollar a barrel of oil fit in by year end? I mean, who knows? Maybe we get down at 90. I think, I think people would oh, probably agree. Oh, you're backing agree. off your forecast. No, I'm not. Right? I'm just trying Isn't to make he... it more palatable for, <laughs> uh, for Tim to I think we can get easily to 90. I think most people are saying 80, 85, worst case scenario. I'm going to stick with 65 because I think that's the biggest contrarian view of oil right now. now I, 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 res yeah. look, I, I respect Steve's been aggressive on the oil call. And for mm -hmm. the last three weeks, it's been dead on. And, and to the extent it kind of goes back to Carter's uh, ETF chart, where, again, the euphoria that came on the on the invasion. Remember, $85 oil is where we were even before Russia was in this position, maybe they were jawboning a little bit over the summer, but uh, the dynamic around oil, and this is everything we're hearing. I mean, we haven't built a refinery in this country in a long yeah. time. So uh, it's not going to be something that I think is going to reverse itself overnight, structural issues in energy. And I think the Chinese economy back online is a big deal. So, um, you know, this is a good trade place to trade a lot of these oil stocks, I think. But I, I would stay from the long side. All right. Coming up, semis shocking quarter. The stock's seen their biggest drop in almost 14 years. Have they found a bottom? We'll get some answers. And later on OA, China's big tech comeback, the K-Web on pace for its best month in two years. And the Chartmaster thinks it's going even higher. We lay out a trade to help you lock in those gains. Fast Money's back in two. You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, makes it easy. 
I use it to put my investment account and 401k accounts into one hub and get expert tips that help me confidently manage my money. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. Securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. Welcome back to Fast Money. Semiconductor stocks sizzling higher in today's trade, but it has been a long-suffering quarter for the sector. Check out some of those losses from NVIDIA, Marvell, Skyworks, and the likes. With just a few days to go, the SMH is on pace for its worst quarter since 2008. Pete, what do you think of these names? You know, I think some of them just got so cheap, Mel, and I think these algorithms are also part of the buying. As, as I've been talking about, about the 10-year, every time we watch the movement of the 10-year as it pulls back, Suddenly the buyers come back in, right? And they come into technology, come into the semiconductors and a lot of the other sectors that had not really been performing very well at all. Semiconductors absolutely were not. But we're seeing a pretty nice rise in a very short period of time. I think that's partially the algorithms. It's also, I think, a lot of folks who are sitting back and saying, you know, these have gotten very, very cheap. Whether you're looking at NVIDIA, looking at AMD or Qualcomm or any of these names, they've gotten so inexpensive that I think the people are willing to put the, uh, some money to work there. So I think that's part of it as well. I think they're looking a little bit longer term. It doesn't mean it's over. It doesn't mean they don't get a little bit of a push still to the downside. But I think a lot of that's going to get predicated on what we're seeing going on in the twos and the tens. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, the, the rates move this week augurs very well for semis to continue to, to get some life here. And remember, this this was the most in chart for the market. We did our charts uh, in the first block of the show where this would have been that chart two months ago before we were really seeing this decided downturn. So this break in the semis and this move all the way down to 220 on the SMH. Today's outperformance is nice to see because on an up day in the market, you should be seeing 100 basis points or more of outperformance in semis. I, I, I ultimately think names like NVIDIA are names the market wants to own. This is not time to pile back in. And if anything, I think the defensive semis, I would go more with a Taiwan semi, TSM or an Intel, which are more your commoditized chip plays. And they're more value plays within tip ter chip territory. I'm still negative semiconductors. Think about it. They're a commodity, no different than the other commodities that we just talked about. So I think the path is lower for them. Especially we if you think we're going into a recession. Da, da, da. So if you, if you do look at this, though, what, what did the companies do? They, we had a drought of chips. Now we're going into a flood of chips because everyone overordered. So there's going to be a massive pull forward once that supply chain unleashes. I think it's negative for the space. Guy, how do you think about that thesis that there's a we go from a drought to a flood or can the semiconductor um, companies actually dial back on, on what they make because right now they, they can't make enough. I mean, I, I don't really understand. Unless yeah. everything's on autopilot, I don't understand how we just go to a flood. I think, for, look, Steve's been bringing that up for a while now, and he's been spot on in terms of the way these stocks have traded. And I, I wouldn't disagree with that necessarily. I do think people could probably have double ordered, and we're gonna, that's going to be problematic at the back half of this year. I look at it, though, is there a trading opportunity here for the next couple of weeks? And I think there is. We talked about Qualcomm specifically last night, a company now trading around 10 times next year's numbers with decent 
EPS growth, and at levels that we bottomed out at, if you go back and look, in October of last year and in March of last year, this 122 or so level. So I think Qualcomm right now, just giving you an opportunity to be long a stock into their earnings at the end of July, sets up really well. Post-earnings, we'll have another conversation, but I think sort of the glide path from here is higher. Even if they didn't double order, just to continue on that, and demand goes down with chips ordered at these levels, then there could be a supply glut on chips. So you don't even need, you don't even need the notion of necessarily double order. And, and you just have, why don't you just throw in the little caveat of China coming back online? Just that for the supply chain is going to be a massive, massive amount of calculations. But should that also be some demand? And, and I guess uh, the other thing is we, you know, we've gotten some, some numbers out of the auto sector, which have indicated that, that the auto sector, which was greatly impacted by semi shortages, um, is getting pricing, even though sales were down. The prices for cars indicates to me there's still demand for those cars that need those chips that haven't gotten there yet. So uh, I hear you. I think they probably will. We've heard it from Walmart and Target. Yeah. Why shouldn't the chip companies be in the exact same spot? But I don't think yet. Coming up, we're counting down to earnings from Nike out on Monday. From supply chain issues to insights into China, we break down the market messages that could be lurking in those numbers. And throughout June, we are celebrating Pride Month. Here's former professional soccer player Thomas Beattie. I came out two years ago, um, and it, it was something I wanted to do. I didn't need to do it necessarily, but I wanted to be visible. I wanted people who, specifically athletes, the younger generation, to be able to look at another example and try and resonate with that, because it was something I never had. You know, I looked around me and I never quite saw somebody from our community which I could resonate with, and it left me really confused. It was important for me to go through that process in order to find purpose in something that was a little bit bigger than just my um, everyday life I was living. The most liberating, fulfilling feeling I've ever had. A huge lineup on CNBC all next week from the Aspen Ideas Festival. We'll hear from Jessica Alba, Ken Chenault, Eric Schmidt, the CEOs of Intel, IBM, PepsiCo, Wells Fargo, Bumble, and much more. So be sure to tune in. Coverage starts on Monday. Well, Nike stock jumping 4.5% today ahead of Monday's earnings report, but many on Wall Street forecasting a hit to fiscal Q4 results due to China lockdowns and a slowdown in consumer demand. The stock is down 32% this year. Tim owns Nike. What do you think? What do you expect? I, I think we priced in a lot of China. I think we priced in even some impact on gross margin. I, I, I care really more about North America and some of those comps, which I, I continue to be strong. Uh, the gross margins around their DTC business continue to support this stock. But more importantly, um, this was once a $180 stock or a stock that traded about 36, 37 times. It, it's now trading around 26 and a half times forward. Um, this is one of the great companies. This is one of those stocks, folks, that you got to pick your level. Around 115-ish, which is really where we are on the stock, is a level that goes all the way back to, you know, kind of a month after the, the COVID low. So I think you've got a chance to own this uh, based upon those reference points. But on valuation, I think you can own it here. Guy, your quick take. Yeah, I still think in this environment, I hear exactly what Tim's saying. It's cheap relative where it's been historically. I just think it's still expensive in this environment. I'd rather them wait, report. I think operating margins are going to be under significant pressure. I think there's another leg lower in the name. All right. It is time now for a Friday final trade. Let's go around the horn. Pete Najarian, what do you say? All right, I'm going to kick it off with ChargePoint. I love this name. I saw a lot of activity in there just today. Mel, I think it's going higher. Guy Adami. Earlier this week, Karen flagged Merck at 84. Look at it today. Big Cap Pharma on fire. Lily making a new all-time high. Bristol Myers breaking out BMY. 
Tim Seymour. Some of the themes we've talked about tonight on the rally this week were around lower gas prices, commodity prices, things that are actually helping that Walmart consumer. This is a stock that has not gotten much of a bounce here. This is a stock that, to me, was overdone on their inventory concerns, and they've gotten out in front of this. I think you've priced in a lot of bad news here at Walmart. It's another one that's been overdone. XBI, small cap bio, a biotech index, is down 32% year to date, up 12% this month. It has much more room to the upside to go. All right. That does it for us here on Fast Money. We'll see you next week. Meantime, don't go anywhere. Options Action is up next. on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.